0: In motion is Sewell, Goff to throw, wants to throw it to Sewell, uh-huh. he caught it.
1: But Sewell yes. on first down, yes. the big man dives down to the 31 yard line.
0: It is draft week in the NFL. Big week on the NFL schedule. Thank you for joining me in the Twenty Minute in the Huddle podcast. I got a great show in store for you guys today. I got Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. He's going to break down everything NFL draft. Uh, Kirby Joseph, a talented rookie last year for the Lions, he's um, going to stop by. He's going to talk about his draft experience. We might get into a few Illinois guys in this draft and what he's working on heading into year two. And NBC's Connor Rod. Rogers is going to join me to break down um, his specific prospects, especially looking at some day two and day three uh, guys. Rogers does a good job with his top 300 that will be coming out. Really does a, it does a good work breaking down all these prospects. So we're going to talk to him. So I got a great show lined up for you. Make sure you guys stay tuned. Welcome back to the 20 minute huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am really excited to welcome in uh, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network, one of the best in the business, well-respected around NFL circles in in, in terms of his draft analyst, just one of the best in the business, uh, NFL Network analyst, and, and Daniel will be part of the NFL Network's live coverage of the draft all three days. DJ, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate you.
2: It's great to be with you again. How's it going?
0: It's good. It's good. This is a fun time, right? I mean, we're what, a, a week away almost? It's uh, it's finally here. I feel like the
2: combine sneaks up on me every year, and then I feel like the draft never gets here. Uh, it's an annual tradition
0: it's an annual tradition and you're going to be a big part of it on the NFL network. And let's, let's start with Detroit at number six. I mean, you look at this draft and, and obviously, you know, as well as I do, it's it's a quarterback driven draft typically at the top. And and there's obviously some, some interesting names there, but Detroit at six, they're kind of an interesting spot. Aren't they DJ? I I think so. I think they're, they're well positioned
2: um, to get an impact player. And, I would have said a week ago that there's a chance, you know, you got, you know, three or potentially all four of the quarterbacks are gone, which is going to leave one of those top two defensive players there for the Lions. Um, the the uh, The trend seems to be going away from that, that we could see some of these quarterbacks start to slip and fall a little bit. And uh, that, will, uh, that will provide for an interesting decision for Detroit to, to make there, because I think if we were talking you Know a week ago, 10 days ago, and I said, Well, you know, who did the Lions take between you know a Jalen Carter or a uh, you know, or a CJ Stroud? We would have said, Well, that's kind of silly, like, there's no chance that's gonna happen, and now I'm not so
0: sure that that isn't a possibility there, so it's all wide open. So, you think quarterback maybe still is in play for Detroit? I mean, you look at their situation, that's they, the one, yeah, they, they're that's the obviously, yeah, they're they're 100% in on golf but but to get that guy at 6 you if you're the Detroit Lions you probably think you're not going to be drafting this high um in the near future so if if Stroud is there you think that's a possibility for Detroit I wouldn't rule that out so that that's
2: why I say that I and mean, they've done some work with Stroud so that that would be the only scenario I could see them doing that because like I said I thought they're sitting there going, OK, well, the top two guys are gone. Um, and maybe, you know, look, we, we were very happy with Jared Goff. He played really well. We are we winning football games. Um, and there's no reason to really have wandering eyes, so to speak. But if you have one of those guys you did not anticipate being there at six, you got to be prepared for that. and You got to do your homework. So I'm just saying that's where, you know, that's a discussion that's taking place in the room. They've got to sort that out. Um, But, you know, I think the priority, the number one priority is is upgrading this defense and they'll have opportunities to do that, you know, both with the interior defensive line edge rusher um, as well as the secondary if they want to continue to add to that corner group.
0: I want to talk about the edge rushers first and foremost. Obviously did a great job getting Aiden Hutchinson last year. Arguably one of the best, um, if not the best pass rusher in that class. And You talk about Will Anderson Jr. this year. DJ, in your evaluation of him, is he a prospect worthy, if you're the Detroit Lions at six, maybe packaging something and saying hey, we can walk out of the the, the last two drafts with the best pass rusher if we move up and, and get Will, if that's maybe at three, maybe at two. Is he a prospect worthy of that kind of talk about moving up
2: I think he's a great player I have him as the second player in the draft so I wouldn't I I wouldn't uh have an issue if they decided to go up and get him. I, I would just say in this draft, you know every draft is unique. And I think this one there's a there's plenty of depth at that position. So you can sit and you can be comfortable knowing you're going to get a big time impact defensive lineman and it might not be Will Anderson, but it's not that far of a drop off in my opinion, um, and then save your ammunition with all your other picks to, to continue to fill out your roster so I, I love Will Anderson I wouldn't
0: hate it if they did it, but I, I honestly I don't know that it's necessary in this draft. You know, another guy that could be there at six, even though I know he's been climbing a few draft boards. You hear him in discussion, the top five. Now, Tyree Wilson, when you watched him on tape, what did what jumped out to you about, about that Texas Tech prospect?
2: First of all, his body type. I mean, he's just so long and rangy. Um, he's got power. He's got speed. I think he's still kind of putting it all together as a pass rusher. As a uh, as somebody against the run, he can really use those long levers and set the edge quite easily. His pressure percentage, I believe, was the tops among all the, you know, the combine defensive linemen this year. So he had a lot of production in terms of pressures um, this year. But in terms of finishing, that's still that's still something that he can continue to grow and improve on. I, I think he's a really good player right now. I think he's my fourth overall guy. Um, but I also think he's got the most in front of him. You know, he's he's got more in his body than Will Anderson has in his. I just think Will Anderson's further developed at this point in time. But I know for a fact there are teams that have Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson, and I wouldn't be totally stunned if if they came off the board in that order once we get to Kansas City.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Jalen Carter, obviously he was in Detroit this week, you know, teams are going through that vetting process, you look at him on the field, right, a, a dominant player, plays 40 pounds lighter than, than what he really is, a guy that can take on the double teams, be an impact player in the in the middle there, you know, obviously have the, the off the field issues, and then the football character has been kind of a, a question mark too. DJ, what are you hearing about, about Jalen Carter? Let's first, what you hear maybe about some of the concerns off the football field and, and what you love about the play player on
2: the field yeah I mean I, I know obviously the stuff off the field from a legal standpoint is well documented I, I think the good thing for him is that there was some space between that getting finalized in the draft um, so teams have had a chance to kind of really vet that out and and uh, and hear from him on that subject but the good news is at least from a legal standpoint that's all been resolved um, and then from a football character standpoint um, you know, I, I never got any type of a, uh, you know, you know uh, uh, this is a do not touch character stuff out of the school on him. It was nothing like that. Um, and I, I just go off of what I see on the on the tape. And I see a guy who plays hard, doesn't take plays off. I see somebody who was hurt and could have shut it down and decided to still come back and play when he wasn't 100 percent. So for, on the football field, I have no issues with him. I think he's the most dominant player in the draft. I think he's the most talented player in the draft. If he was if he was totally clean off the field, he'd be my number one prospect. So uh, I don't have any issues with the talent there. Um, again, that's just going to come down to the teams visiting with him, doing their due diligence. And if they get comfortable off the field with him, I think you're, you're going to be in a pretty good place on the field.
0: DJ, one of my favorite prospects in this draft is Bijan uh, Robinson, the running back out of yeah. out of Texas. You just watched the film, and the 104 missed tackles and 258 rush attempts runs low to the ground. We talked about the combine. He loves Barry Sanders, and obviously, when you're in Detroit, ears perk up all of a sudden um, when you hear you know a, a running back talk about you know a guy who studies Barry Sanders. Just there's obviously the the, the position value. You, you talk about with running backs here, but I guess where are you at in terms of uh position value at the running back position? And then when you've got a guy who who people are saying maybe is uh, even a better prospect than Saquon Barkley, where are you at with Bijan Robinson? Where do you think he eventually maybe falls in this draft?
2: Well, it, two-parter, right? So what do I think of him? I think he's literally one of the best players. He's my third overall player. Um, He's a talent and I, I don't look at him really as a running back. You know, I know it's cliche and we've said this about some guys in the past, but you just kind of look at him as, as an offensive weapon. And if you want to see, you know, what that looks like and what type of impact that can have, go watch the 49ers before they got Christian McCaffrey last year and then go look what they looked like when they threw Christian McCaffrey into the middle of their offense. And last I checked, not a lot. They're, they're not real dummies up there in San Francisco. There's some <laughs> smart football guys that know what they're doing and have won a lot of football games over the last handful of years. Um, and I saw that just completely transform that group. So I see the same for him. I have no issues with anybody taking him in the top 10. Um, and I, I, I just don't. I think in a draft where there's not a lot of sure things, I feel like this is one and he's an elite player. So. I don't know where to pinpoint him. I can't I can't nail down where to put him. You know, I've heard some teams mention, hey, don't sleep on Atlanta because you've got Arthur Smith, who came from a running back driven team in Tennessee, and he's seen what kind of impact that can have. Um, You know, I can make a compelling case for Detroit as well. So uh, I'm excited for whoever gets him. Don't I mean, I just don't overthink it. Just get a really good football player. That's him.
0: I can't imagine uh, Bijan Robinson running behind that offensive line in oh. Detroit with as creative an offensive coordinator as Ben Johnson has proven to Ben over the last year. Boy, that would be fun to watch.
2: Yeah, you, you're uh, you're convincing me now. I got I got one more <laughs> mock draft I need to do, and uh, and sometimes sometimes on these mock drafts you get good intel, and other times, and in, in years like this one, there's it's hard to nail anybody down. So I think I might just take the approach if I just want to do what I want to see and in, in a fun and a fun mock draft. Maybe that's the way I go on that last one. Say, screw it. Let's just give him to the Lions.
0: I love it. You're gonna have a huge explosion of of uh, of, of uh, article clicks in Detroit if that happens. DJ, a couple, <laughs> a, a couple quick ones for you. The cornerback prospects. You know, if, if this draft um, plays out where, where maybe Carter's gone, Wilson's gone, Will Anderson's gone in the in the top five be to, before Detroit picks, and they are in a situation where maybe Witherspoon or Gonzalez is is, is maybe tops on their board. Do, do you like? Those three cornerback prospects and maybe Witherspoon and Gonzalez, especially what are teams getting in in those guys?
2: Yeah, I think those are the two best. I I like Witherspoon the the most. I think he has the best tape. I love the competitiveness that he plays with. I just think when you look at corners, that's that's really, to me, the most underrated trait is you're just you're feisty, you're competitive, um, you're tough. Like those guys translate really well um, with the way the game's played right now. And that's, that's who he is and what he's about. So um, I, I love him as a football player. And then Gonzalez just has all the prototypical traits and size that you covet at the position. So, you know, he got beat up a little bit early in the year. I think he gave up a touchdown earlier against George on a back shoulder fade. And um, there was a little bit of separation you saw in some of the early tape, but that was uh That was something that improved throughout the year, and he's really, really fluid as an athlete, really smooth. He's a good tackler. Now, he's not as feisty or or maybe kind of as gritty and tough as Witherspoon is, but he's tough enough and he's a good tackler. So uh, I think both those guys at the end of the day are going to end up being top 10 picks.
0: And then the tight end position, DJ, I was part of your uh, national conference call. It was either earlier this month or late last month. And you talked about the tight end class and it being, you know, one of the best classes in in nearly a decade, obviously a need in Detroit, um, you know, for a tight end after they traded TJ Hawkinson. But interestingly, still got 12 touchdowns from the tight end position last year. So they obviously know how to use that position within this offense. But if you can get one of those maybe top guys, I guess one, just your overall impression of the class as a whole, and then are, are there some impact guys at the top can, that can come in and be, you know, really immediate impact guys at the NFL level?
2: Yeah, I think there are. I think there might even be a handful of impact guys. Um, but I, you know, I look, I've been a Kincaid guy. He's been my top tight end, start to finish. I, I just think his ability to get in and out of breaks, create separation, attack the football, and then also give you something after the catch. I think he's the most complete receiving tight end now he's not as he's not the blocker some of these other guys are but he's functional you know he'll wall guys off um and, and you you know you're not gonna he's not gonna embarrass himself in that department but he is not you know he's not mayor in that department he's not Washington in that in that department but uh I love what he brings to the passing game and I think he'd be somebody that would be a really fun weapon uh to insert into like you mentioned you know this is a creative offense. Um, They know how to find the best matchups on the field, and I think he would give them a real mismatch
0: player. All right, last one for me, And I got to do this because my producer is a really big Anthony um, Richardson fan. I'm just curious (laughs) – You look at him and and, and I see a guy and and you see the explosive traits, right? The the rushing ability, what a creative offensive mind could do with him. But then you see some of the other games where he's maybe completing less than 50 percent of his passes. And I know drops were an issue there, too. But I'm just curious what you think of him and how he transitions to the NFL. Does the accuracy scare you at all? Or do you think that's something that, that can just naturally improve at the NFL level?
2: I think he can get better there because I've seen him throw with touch. I've seen him layer football. So, I mean, those are the, the, the uh, you know, the things that kind of tell you, does he have any feel um, He just has, he's had some bad misses on, you know, really kind of one particular throw. He just struggles with the swing pass. He struggles, you know, you know, flaring that ball out with some, with some touch. And as, as a quarterback who was uh, I don't know, 60 pounds lighter than him and who is not as uh, fast uh, I, I, still, uh, as a, as a little weenie arm quarterback, I could not make that swing pass to save my life. So I have a soft spot in my heart for him on that throw. Uh, <laughs> he just, uh, he pulls the string on that one a little bit. So, uh, but no, I, you know, look, you mentioned the drop passes. There's his numbers would look significantly better if they could actually catch the football down there. So I, I you know, the, to me, my biggest issue with him is not that. Uh, My biggest issue is purely the sample size and the track record of guys with such a small body of work uh, is not great so you're flying blind a little bit on the evaluation I wish like heck he would have gone back to school for one more year, it would have made all of our jobs a lot easier, Um, but now we got to find out you know who has a plan for him and who can execute it I, I was talking to a team last night and they said look. You have to take him, you assign a coach to him, you know, like they did with Kafka with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. And that first year, that coach's job is just Anthony Richardson. Uh, be patient with him. And and then uh, you might have a huge payoff. But uh, he has got huge variants of not only where he goes, but what he's going to be at the next level. It's anybody's guess.
0: Well, DJ, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate your perspective. You are one of the best in the business, and I can tell you from being inside an NFL building, you are very well-respected in NFL circles. The draft is a week away. Um, get, get prepared for that, and we will all be watching you live on the NFL Network all three days. You do a great job with the coverage the NFL Network does, and we appreciate you taking the time on the 20-minute huddle podcast.
2: I appreciate you, bud. Good to catch up.
0: All right, DJ. Welcome back to the 20 in the huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I'm excited to bring in NBC Sports's Connor Rogers. Connor has been a guest of the show before. I value his opinion, everything NFL and everything, the draft Connor. Welcome buddy. How you doing? I'm
3: doing great, Tim. Thanks so much for having me again. It's always fun to talk to you.
0: No, this is a fun week, right? I mean, I know your top 300 comes out next week, Wednesday, right before the draft. That's always a must-read for fans getting ready for the draft. So let's just get right into it. Let's talk this NFL draft a little bit. Connor, how real do you think the talk is about Houston potentially not drafting a quarterback? I mean, for so many months, we just expected it was going to be... Um, quarterback at one with Carolina quarterback at two with Houston and then Arizona was probably the first defensive player and we'd start to see kind of things develop after that now we're hearing rumblings maybe Houston isn't set on one of these quarterbacks and and they could uh, take a defensive player which would affect everything in the top five obviously how how much truth do you think there is to, to, to kind of some of those rumors?
3: I think it's very real, at least the conversation and and you look at timelines, right? That's what's so perplexing about Houston. If they're picking number one, I'm sure it would be Bryce and it would be easy and he'd be the top quarterback. And it feels like everybody kind of came full circle and was like, oh yeah, this guy's really, really good. And that's why he's probably going to go number one to Carolina right now. And that has thrown a wrench into Houston's plans a little bit because they might not see the quarterback class like everybody else where they view Stroud as this no doubt next man up quarterback that's worthy of the number two pick. Maybe they do, but it feels like they are not set on that as much as some other teams would be. And then you look at D'Amico Ryan's first year head coach. What does he need for his defense to be successful, which is the backbone of is going to be the backbone of his coaching era it's pass rush that's what the niners have drafted and that's what they've been able to develop so you think that might be in play for him you look at the ownership situation there i'm sure they're a little frustrated that they haven't had the answer at quarterback figured out since they traded Deshaun watson and then you have a gm that's sitting there and going well Even if I don't love the quarterbacks after Bryce, will I get the opportunity to pick one the following year? So that's what makes Houston so perplexing is that you have everybody kind of on different timelines where they probably look at Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson and say, those guys are better players than the quarterbacks. We'd rather get that or D'Amico Ryans would rather get that in his first draft. But then you have everybody else that's saying at some point we can't kick this quarterback can down the road. And that's why it leads me to believe as we sit here, they're still not even fully decided.
0: I think you make a good point about D'Amico Ryans, too, and that defensive minded head coach and what he needs to be successful. Obviously, he got to that point where he, he he accepted that job in Houston because of what he did defensively. And and if you can get a cornerstone piece that you have on your board ahead Grade-wise of a quarterback, look—that's just how you do good business in the draft, right? You don't reach for a position; you trust your board and take the best players available. So, I think you make a great point there. And Connor, I know you're going to be doing your, your your mock draft, your final one, kind of leading in when you start to piece that together. How many quarterbacks do you see going in the top five? Because that will obviously um, affect what Detroit does at at, at number six.
3: Ultimately, I feel like the number is three, and you go through a lot of different scenarios to get there. You know, one is going first overall. You know, Houston is still at least an option on the table. And then it feels like why you go with three is well, if Houston doesn't take one, doesn't that make Arizona's pick a little bit more valuable? Because they'd love to trade it. Everybody knows it's the worst kept secret. They don't even care (laughs) of it, they don't need it to be a secret. Arizona wants to trade that pick. And if we don't have the draft start off with two quarterbacks, well, Maybe a team values a CJ Stroud or that kind of player uh, to go up to number three to get him. And then Indy at four, who could be forced to swap in that situation. But say Indy stays at four, well, they have to take a quarterback. And everybody knows that. Indy can't mess around anymore. They're going to be drafting a quarterback. And you do have a wild card in Seattle. Does Seattle like one of these guys? They've had visits with most of them. Uh, They'd structured the Geno Smith deal. And uh, capacity that you can get out of it after one year so they could have their next guy up as much as gino was great last year so i kind of land on three and then you wonder who's going to be the wild card to fall out of the top five and how does that ultimately affect the rest of the draft
0: so you've got Detroit sitting at six and that's kind of an interesting spot with like you talk about three quarterbacks sitting there. Will somebody maybe fall in love with that fourth guy? Will, will Detroit be a trade back option? Um, just at, at, at six, it really is an interesting spot. How do you see this shaking out with Detroit at six if they stay there, Connor?
3: Yeah, I haven't really moved off this one too much. It just seems like the perfect landing spot for Devin Witherspoon. I mean, listen, you look at Detroit, they said they move on from Jeff Akuda. They did a really good job in free agency, getting some answers at corner, but you look at the deal of at least the Mosley structure. I mean, they still need a dude that is a number one corner, I think for a long time. And that's Witherspoon. It kind of shocks me that we don't talk about Witherspoon or at least engage in the conversation that he could be the best defensive player in this draft. I know how good Jalen Carter is. I know how good Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson are as well. But when you turn on Witherspoon's 2022 tape, It stacks up against any prospect, and I think a lot of teams, I know a lot of teams, feel that way in the top eight of this draft. So Detroit might be sitting there and going, well, if we pass on him, we know he's probably going at seven or eight. And then, yes, we do pick again in the first round, and there are really good corners, but – if Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson are gone, and I think they will be, Witherspoon feels like that Detroit kind of guy. It could be your long-term number one corner. He brings so much bark and snarl to a secondary that really meshes what Campbell is looking for, I think. And that's a unit that maybe needs it. Maybe they need a little bit more bite and bark, and Witherspoon would bring that. So the conversation isn't, oh, well, they're just doing that because they need a corner. No, they're also doing that or should do that because Witherspoon is one of the best overall players in this draft.
0: It's funny, Connor. You're going to love staying tuned for uh, one of my guests on on the podcast here. Do- joining us, got Daniel Jeremiah, but I also got Kirby Joseph, um, who obviously was a third round pick out of Illinois. We went through and we talked about some of these guys. He is in love with Witherspoon. And he said the same thing as you that he's the best corner in this draft by far. A guy that played with him knows him really well. He also said he might be the best defensive player too. So he's a fan as well. So um, that's an interesting one. I, I, I know Lions fans will. You say. Corner Corner at six is is there is that the I value know. spot? They'll be, you know, obviously with what happened a few years ago with Jeff Okuda at the number three pick, there's gonna be some hesitation there. But I agree with you. When you watch his film, you see a kid who's five foot eleven, 181 pounds. But if you watch him, you'd think he's six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. I mean, that's how he plays. And ball production is something that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell talked about this offseason. Seventeen passes defended, four interceptions, right? So he plays tough. He's physical and has got ball protect uh, Ball production, that's a Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes type guy that you talked about. So I can certainly see that as a fit. All right, Connor, let me ask you this. Let's say Dan Campbell Brad Holmes are in love with a guy and they know if if they they if they're gonna get him, they've got to move up. Let's say the Lions maybe have their eye on a Will Anderson, a Tyree Wilson, one of those guys. If you're gonna move up from three who is a guy in this draft you would move up for? Is, is it one of those two guys? Is Will Anderson a guy in your in your opinion watching him that if you're the Lions and you really like him, you'd make that move to go up to three to really maybe walk away with the two best pass rushers in consecutive drafts?
3: Yeah, it would. That, that's who it would be for in my eyes. Listen, you could fall in love with the traits and the length that Tyree Wilson has or you know all of the upside if he really dials in on Jalen Carter. But at the end of the day, you look at Will Anderson and you just don't have to check as many boxes that you have to do with other prospects and that's how I landed with Will Anderson as my top player in this draft I just look at the power I look at the hand usage uh, the motor the ability to make explosive plays against the run a productive pass rusher for two years really three years in the SEC I mean it checks all the boxes and If you have an edge pass rush, that is Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson screaming off the edge, and then you want to get into passing down situations on third and longs, and you bring on James Houston, and you start to mess around with different alignments with Hutchinson and Will Anderson, I don't know how you block that. That that is a competitive advantage that completely alters your course of winning the division, especially when you look at the young quarterbacks that are going to be playing in this division against the Lions. Packers move into the Jordan Love era. Justin Fields is trying to figure it out with the Bears. The Vikings only have, we think, one more year of Kirk Cousins. That is going to be a very young division in terms of passers. How do you impact passers? Is getting after them off the edge with the pass rush. The Lions would be able to do that, unlike anybody else in that division. It would be awesome to watch. So that's a package where you look at it and go, man, I mean, you got two second round picks. What does it cost to go from six to three? That's the golden question. If Arizona yeah. just doesn't want to make the pick and they're saying we don't care who wants to come up we don't have to go back to six we'll still get a really good player I mean what if Detroit gives up 55 to go up from six to three and you're still picking at 18 and 48 I mean that's an incredible situation to land Will Anderson so I would applaud that creativity if the Lions could pull something off like that for the top player in the draft.
0: Well, and then what you could do also, Connor, is with what they did in free agency with adding, uh, you know, Emmanuel Mosey with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Cam Sutton. Your secondary got so much better. Now you, the, 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 you know, that that pass uh, defense is is a marriage of of rush and cover, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you you handled the cover part in free agency pretty darn well with some veteran guys um, that you know can do that. Now you add a guy like a Will Anderson along with Hutchinson, like you talked about, and be young and athletic and be able to throw, um, you know, rushers at. Add teams, I love it. I know Lions fans would love it, too. I think if you're Brad Holmes and you come out of two straight drafts with the best pass rusher, you can't say a lot of bad things about that. You mentioned it a little bit with the day two picks. Detroit has two um, second round picks and a third round pick. Who are maybe some of those guys in, in, in day two guys that, that, you know, maybe fringe first round guys, day two guys that in your evaluation, when you were watching film, starting to study this draft, guys maybe that are in that mold that, that kind of jump out to you?
3: Yeah, I think when you look at it for the Lions, I like the idea of tight end for them on day two rather than with that second first round pick, because I think that's where the value really lies in this draft where you can still still go get an effective pass catching tight end that they would value where the guys that are lower on their depth chart can handle a lot of the blocking duties, right? We think Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid will go in front of their second round picks. But when you look at Tucker Craft, Sam Laporta, even a Luke Musgrave kind of player. Those are guys that can be in play. You get a true seam runner. Uh, You look at depth at wide receiver, right? If you want that third wide receiver, I look at the pick that's in the top 50 and think, man, can I walk away with a sliding Jalen Hyatt or Tyler Scott kind of a player that can really stretch the field along with Jamison Williams? And we're going to be a team that you have to defend us deep because we have so much speed. you know, we can run the heck out of the football with DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery downhill or east and west. So the Lions, the the power is kind of theirs in terms of how they capitalize on the pass catcher class on day two. And I really, really think they will. And then if they want to look at the defensive line and get maybe more of a two-gapping interior presence to kind of free up space. For everybody around them, you have somebody like Keanu Benton from Wisconsin that's played nose tackle and three tech. He's also not a nothing as a pass rusher just because he's a big ugly doesn't mean he can't get after it as a pass rusher. So you love that about him. And then I love him
0: at the Senior Bowl. too. He was was terrific at the Senior Bowl. I thought he really showed out
3: he was unblockable and then also maybe still in the middle of the field you want a different kind of linebacker if it's not a Jack yeah. Campbell more of a big heavier hitting presence you can look to get a little bit more athletic with a Trenton Simpson or uh Drew Sanders or you know Dion Henley kind of a player that has sideline to sideline range so these top 60 picks are really valuable in this draft because you look at it and you feel like there's a certain value maybe till about pick 10 in the draft and then it kind of levels off for a while where some of the players that are going in the middle of the second round are just as good as the back end of round one players on a grading scale.
0: I'm curious what your philosophy is or what your philosophy would be at 18, because I've always said this. I've been very consistent in the pre-draft process at six, or if I stay at six, uh, to me, it's the best defensive player available with my first pick. I think that's just a way um, that you improve this football team, take that step forward. The quickest way is, is to help that side of the ball. And then at 18, I trust my board and it's best player available, whether that's a running back, a tight end, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, a linebacker, whoever that is. I trust my board after I take the best defensive player available. I'm just curious, what would your philosophy be at 18 or right around that area if, if you're the Detroit Lions?
3: Well, that's why you got to love how active they were in free agency, that they've opened the door to your philosophy, that they can't afford to take the best player available, where they're not stuck going for need, where they have a quarterback under center that can operate in this offense, where they don't necessarily have to search for that next guy right now, if they don't want to. So I agree with you about the defensive player in the top 10. That's the move. That's what the Lions are going to do. And justifiably, so you can get one of the blue chip defensive talents. Then at 18, the door does become a little bit open. And what does Ben Johnson value, right? Does he want the (laughs) field stretching tight end? Does Dalton Kincaid come into mind at 18? And they say, we're going to spread everybody out. And now we got a big pass catcher. We got a speedy guy in Jamison Williams. We got a middle of the field monster and a Monro same Brown, or do they want to just sit there and go? And and this one is a little bit more tricky. Bijan Robinson's at the board at, at 18. He's a top five player in the draft. We know DeAndre it. Swift is not far away from free agency. We got our North and South power guy in David Montgomery, but I can't emphasize this enough when we have the discourse about B. John Robinson. He is not just a running back. You can motion him out to the slot. You can use him in the screen game. You can motion him out wide if you need to. This guy can run a legitimate post route down the field. So if the Lions want to sit there with the mad scientist that is Ben Johnson and go (laughs) speed, weapons, uh, create missed tackles, then take B. John Robinson at 18 and say, try to beat us. Try to outscore us. We don't think you can. So it's, it's fun to be a Lions fan when you're picking twice in the top 20 and you don't have 8 million needs. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure Ben Johnson pops his head into that draft room and says, hey, guys, remember me, me too. Me too. Don't forget yes, about me. I exist. <laughs> All right. I, your 300 play, your top 300 players comes out again, like I mentioned, next week. I think you do a great job with that. And, and when you start to look at maybe back, in you know 150 200 those the fourth round fifth round uh sixth round day 3 graded guys i'm just curious well, name a few guys who maybe jumped out to you in your evaluation who Obviously, when you're talking about day three guys, there's some flaws there, right? Just whether it's physical game tape didn't match what they did at the combine or some of those things you just have to do some extra work on. But when you watch their film, guys that maybe jumped out to you a little bit that that might be able to come in and have impact as day three guys.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you start with somebody like Jaden Reed, the wide receiver from Michigan. That's also an excellent return man. He understands how to get open. He could play inside. He could play outside. He could bring a kick or a punt to the house in a pinch. I mean, that's somebody to me that just because he's not a prototypical number one, number two, or maybe even number three wide receiver, he can give you a lot of depth on the back end. And the special team's ability uh is phenomenal. You look at another guy, how about a safety in the mold of Jason Taylor from Oklahoma State? Six interceptions this year. It, it, it's all about how you want to use these guys. When you watch Jason Taylor, you look at him playing as a roaming free safety on the back end. He looks great. He has range, he has ball skills. The takeaways were there, he broke up passes. And he's not afraid to come downhill and hit, but his tackling angles need a lot of work that you don't like him as that box safety or that true strong safety. And he was asked to do a lot of that in college. And this is somebody that I think has played over 500 snaps on special teams. He's blocked a field goal in big moments. I mean, those are the kind of guys that I like on the back end of the roster because... While I can work with their deficiencies, they are going to be key special teams players for me out of the gate because they've already shown that in college. I have a defined role for them, like a guy like Taylor, a third safety with ball skills on the back end. And maybe we do clean up some of their shortcomings and they turn into a full-time starter for us down the road. So uh, one more here for you too. Braden Daniels, the offensive tackle from Utah that – is an undersized tackle. He's a great mover. He's a leader. I think he could play center or guard at the next level. He moves so well. I don't think he'll be a starter at that size. Some technique things that could be cleaned up with his hand usage, but a guy like that that can maybe play all five spots on the offensive line that's played a million snaps at college at a high level. Those are the kind of guys you want for the backups when you get hit with injuries in the trenches.
0: Yeah, again with Jalen Reed too, that the senior bowl. We talk about it again a guy who was really, really good. I think he made my list of the top ten players at the senior bowl, guys that really impressed me. It's why I love that event in particular, because it's not like the underwear Olympics where you're running around running 40s. You're actually playing football. Oh, yeah. And so you can glean a lot from from some of those guys. And I think there are guys that are day three guys that, that you can really uh get an eye on, get an eye for what they can do in football setting at the senior bowl. So I know I love that event. I know you do too. Connor, great stuff. We'll be Be on the lookout for your uh, 300 players, your final mock draft. You do a great job with NBC. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll have you on during the year.
3: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tim.
0: Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft, and I'm excited to welcome in Kirby Joseph, the athletic all-rookie team. Kirby Joseph, the only man in NFL history to intercept Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers
1: three times in the same season. Kirby Joseph Curb, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How was the offseason? It was great. It was was definitely an experience for sure. You know what I'm saying? I never had that much time on my hands. You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of great to see what I did with it. Um, you, obviously going into your second season, the first off season
0: was all about training, right? It Mm. was all about getting ready for, um, the combine and the official visits and the workouts and all that. Just how different has this off season been for you now having a chance to really have an off season, you can tailor your workouts to, you know, your film and what you want to work on and get better. How has the experience changed
1: for you this off season? I feel like this off season is different because like... I made it to the NFL, I feel like last season, it was just a whole bunch of like anxiety, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. I didn't know I, what team I was going to, where I was going to be, so I'm trying to prepare for everything, you know what I'm saying? But um, once this season, I'm already on a team, I know what I need to work on, so I went into the off season just working on mm-hmm. those things. Oh, let's get into it a little bit. What was – you have your
0: your end of the season um, exit interview, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, the coaches give you stuff to work on. You see the film. You know things that you want to improve upon. What was that – what was the focus for you this offseason? Maybe What are one or two things you really wanted to maybe fine-tune or work on with, with your game?
1: Um, I, I definitely had a couple weaknesses that I wanted to point out. Uh, one of my main weaknesses was like, you know what I'm saying, like just – Finishing at the point of tackle, you know what I'm saying. Like I just want that's something I wanted to work on. That's something I continue to work on, and I got better at it throughout the season. But that's something I just always work on, no matter what. Um, I ain't going to give y'all too much sauce, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to give y'all that little nugget right there. <laughs> what about, obviously, an exciting
0: offseason in terms of the secondary and, and some of the pieces that that Brad and Dan have added there, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, Cam Sutton, just your initial thoughts of, of getting some veteran guys and, and how much do you think you guys have improved that 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 secondary with that kind of veteran presence they've brought in?
1: Um, I definitely feel like we improved the secondary a lot. Um, i feel like it's gonna be a great season great year being around these guys um i feel like it's a lot of stuff i can learn from these guys uh knowledge wise uh play wise tape wise technique wise it's so much it's just so much out there you know what i'm saying and i just can't wait to see it have you started it's the first week you guys are back in the
0: building obviously working it out it's more lifting and running stuff like that but but have you started to maybe see kind of the
1: veteran presence with oh, some yeah, of those guys yeah. and and as a young player do you attach yourself to, to some of those guys Yeah 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 for sure um I like to take I like to take pieces from everybody you know what I'm saying cuz I feel like you can learn something from everybody so I see I I peak game and then once I peak game I just move how I move
0: Free agency is over. The draft is obviously next. What What was the the the, the pre-draft experience like for you
1: Yo, last that year? The pre-draft was crazy because nobody, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody really knew about me. So, like I said, with the anxiety and I was anxious and stuff, like, I didn't know where I was going to go. I had people telling me I'll go second round, third round, sixth round, seventh round. So it was all, literally from, I mean, that's a, a wide Yeah, danger. it's dead de- weird. The, de- de- <laughs> the whole, you know what I'm saying? And, like, as it came down to the wire, you know what I'm saying, now we had a certain, like, you know, a certain region where I would go, like, first to fourth round. But,
0: yeah. Obviously, it was a perfect fit here, mm-hmm. you know, with the production that you had as a rookie. How much conversations... Did you have with the Lions, Lions leading up? Because it's interesting. Sometimes you hear stories where you, you came in on a visit. A team talked to you a bunch. But we talked to Amon Ra um, yesterday. We talked to Aleem. And they were like, I had one conversation with the Lions. <laughs> and that was it. And then I was a Detroit Lion. And what was your experience like just – with, with the Lions in the pre-draft process, was there a lot of communication or no?
1: Yeah, yeah it definitely was. Um, but, you know, I'm in the draft, and they steady telling me, like, oh, like you don't know who going draft you, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I know I'm talking to the Lions a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to worry about the ones I barely talk to, like the Broncos. I only talked to them, like, one time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. cheese, bills. I only talk one, two times. But the Lions, I talk, like, four times, I think. I was, like, the senior bowl because mm-hmm. uh, they, right, right. they was on the other team. But I was – You guys I- – change for a day right or don't the coaches do the meetings for a day or get to know both teams Mm -hmm. right and that's when I was with Arby Pleasant that's when I met Arby Pleasant yeah um but I was always over there because I got lost when I was at the senior bowl you know what I'm saying (laughs) so I was wandering around and I just met them and I was on their side I was supposed to be on the Jets side but I went to their side and they told me to go over there so it sounds like it was a good thing you got lost I was over there talking to people you know what I'm saying and then that's I think that's when I met Sean I think that's when I met Sean Pugh I think yeah it worked out for you yeah
0: a good situation, obviously. A real good
1: situation. Also. <laughs> You're excited for year two, aren't you? Yeah, for sure, so, for so. be.
0: Because that's when players usually take their biggest step, right, in production, Kirby, from the year you one to year two, just where's your comfort level at? Now, having gone through it, you, you know, you know the NFL. The, the, the game slows down, they say. Are you starting to experience some of that stuff, too? Just where's your comfort level going into year two?
1: Um, I feel like I got real comfortable uh, last season when the season went on. I feel like um, this season, how I'm going to take it is just like, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to take it on. And the mental aspect that's saying that I know stuff, but it's still stuff out there that I haven't seen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To take that into account and understand the game more. All right, I want you to put your scouting hat on a okay. little bit. We're gonna ask you about some Illinois
0: guys. There it is.
1: All um, right, let's start.
0: Let's start with Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a guy who is some consider the best cornerback in the draft. Just I want the Kirby Joseph
1: scouting report on um, Devin Witherspoon. Just what type of player he is. He not the best corner in the draft, bro. He not. He is the best corner. Oh, player. I like it. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> my boy. <laughs> <laughs> boy. No, I feel like um Devon, uh Devon Witherspoon, like, I feel like he uh he he he's just a baller. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he tackles. Physical. Physical. When you throw the film on him, for a guy who's 5'11",
0: 181 pounds, you'd never guess it watching him play ball. I mean, he plays bigger
1: than yeah, he man. is. And that's, that just shows like how much heart, how much love he got for the game because it's the effort that shows, for real, like on this tape. You'll see like a lot of people take players off, but him, not him. So I, I take it you wouldn't mind him being a teammate? No, I'd <laughs> love him to be on the line. Boy, let's stop playing. All right.
0: <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's stay at, at, at safety, obviously, position. You know, uh,
1: Dertavious Martin. Mm-hmm. Um scouting report on him? Most versatile dude I know. He could play nickel, he could play in the slot, he could play back there, and he could play on the uh, on the island, on the outside, so I feel like that's somebody that's real durable, you know what I'm saying? You could put in any position, and he's not dumb either, you know what I'm saying? Real, real smart player, so you could tell him stuff and he'll be able to pick it up on the fly. Sidney Brown. Sidney Brown's my... Canadian bacon, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Sydney, 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 Sydney is somebody that's that's uh, like you don't have to tell to go. You know what I'm saying? That's that's just effort all the way. Like when I first met Sydney, all he knew was go. <laughs> so what I say? Like Sydney, Sydney's a baller. He gonna make plays. You know what I'm saying? Like down there in the box, you don't see a lot of plays being made, but Sydney gonna make those plays. Well, he, I think he beat like Northwestern, like 14 by himself, something like something like that. Like he, he got a pick six of the former recovery. So he gonna make plays down there in that box. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna always flow around to the ball and then be them players. The players that always run to the ball, that's Sidney Brown right there. All right, let's stay with that uh, Canadian connection there. His brother, Chase. Chase? yeah. Ooh, hey, Chase, I'm gonna tell y'all a story real quick. Chase was on scout team against the one defense going crazy. When we was at Illinois, that's because when he transferred, he couldn't play. Right, because so he was at Western
0: scout. first and then went to Illinois. Mm-hmm.
1: And then he, they red had a the scout team. Yeah, of the red, shirt. red shirt, right? Yo, he was going crazy, bro. So yeah, Chase Brown. <clears throat> this should have gave him the highest man, bro. I know. Uh, let me stop. <laughs> 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 hey, but for now, that's how I feel about Chase. Like Chase Brown does everything. Like he's tough. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna take more than one person to bring him down. You know what I'm saying? He's not slow. He's probably like the fastest running back in the draft. One of them. I yeah. feel like who's faster? Than him? Um. The kid from
0: Peach, Alabama. Alabama. Uh, yeah, the kid from Alabama. I think
1: I'm about. Yeah. yeah, four three. But but, but my boy sliding. Stop playing with my dog. Canadian bacon two times. What do you say about
0: Illinois though? That we're talking about all these guys. We're talking about first round picks, second round picks. Obviously yourself coming out of there, and and some of the corners and safeties that are coming out now too. Seems like a
1: program that, that that's building up a little bit. Mhm. For sure. I feel like Illinois. We've been forgotten. You know what I'm saying? For the past years, you know, we haven't had the best record. But you know what I'm saying? That shaped us. That shaped my class. That shaped um Spoon. That shaped Quan. That shaped Sydney, that shaped Chase. Like all that. We know what we've been through. Like what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like we've been to the bottom. On the only way up is you know what I'm saying? So let's talk about that as it
0: relates to the Detroit Lions in last year, too. One and six. How does that shape you guys? And how much did you learn from one and six to then turn that around, stay together? I know you guys had the defensive meeting. You talked it out and then boom, eight and two. And now people are talking about you guys being the favorites in the NFC North. Does that Did that one and six shape you guys to, to, to allow you to
1: do the eight and two and, and, and just how so? It's not even about the record for real. But what I learned from when we started to change the process from Illinois, when we was losing a lot, one thing that I found out was the team chemistry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the more together your team is, the more better y'all play on the field is. Cause you understand what your brother going through. You know what I'm saying? Like off the field. So you understand on the field, like what he thinking, what he about to do. You know what I'm saying? So you ride for your brother, you go ride for you. And then that's how y'all win games. Curb, you're into a a, a a lot of different things. I know you're big on social media.
0: What was something you got into this, this off season? On social
1: media? Or just anything. Oh, what I did? You know, yeah,
0: what, you, what was something fun? Anything you um, did this offseason?
1: You no, know, I, started, I started to get out my of comfort, my comfort zone and travel more. Um, I went to Vegas, uh, met up with Tracy, um, just traveling a lot. Um, I didn't make it out of the country this year, but probably next year I get to go out. Um, I just been training and staying down, you know what I'm saying, just vibing. I ain't been trying to do too much, recovering my body and stuff. Good To be back in the building, oh, yeah, great. You know, so I've been here before everybody else, I just been here, but I ain't got nothing else to do. Football, all I got, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I know fans are excited that uh, uh, you guys are back in the building, that this is starting up. The draft is going to be a fun time, um, and then it's back to business. Appreciate you
1: joining the podcast. Good luck with everything. That's yes, uh, appreciate y'all for having me, man. Three one three one One Let's get it.
0: That was great stuff there by Daniel Jeremiah, Kirby Joseph, and Connor Rogers. I hope you guys are as excited about the draft as I am. We will obviously have uh, everything broken down for you on DetroitLions.com before and after the draft. I'll hit you guys up with another 20 minute in the huddle podcast post draft. We'll get all the reaction to the Lions draft picks, whether they moved up, they stayed at six eighteen, uh, who they got, and we're gonna break it all down. Uh, make sure you check out DetroitLions.com ahead of the draft. I've got the breakdown of the. End. NFC North, 10 prospects. I would love the Lions to draft. We've got all the coverage, and obviously we'll handle the draft day on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, live with coverage on DetroitLions.com. So stick with us. we got it all broken down for you.